You are listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, located in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. While we are accustomed to Jesus acting and speaking in ways which are unfamiliar and frankly piss us off, Jesus' immediacy and demands catch me off guard. In fact, this parable causes me to think of the scene from The Devil Wears Prada when Miranda, played by the formidable Meryl Streep, arrives early to the workplace and sends panic across her office. Stanley Tucci, one of my favorite actors, famously exclaims, All right, everyone, gird your loins. That's what I hear from Jesus. This sort of get ready. Come on now. Trade those flats for heels. Get your house in order. Quick go to confession if we were Catholic. And while Jesus does exclaim, All right, everyone, gird your loins. He only does so after he names the promise and assurance. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure pleasure to give the dominion to you. Jesus has a way of doing that. As if he knows we are about to interrupt with our anger, our anxieties, and our questions, Jesus wants to lay these things aside by simply saying, Do not be afraid. Our fears and anxieties are real, and Jesus empathizes with them. And Jesus also knows how our fears and anxieties like to be the dominant voices in our head and rule our actions and inactions. And Luke also gives us this grace and immediacy in the first chapter of his gospel, before we even venture into the troubles of this world. Luke offers us God's promises through Jesus, through his mother, Mary, in the Magnificat. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to be to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promises he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. The promises of God do not erase our fear and anxieties, but the promises of God allow us to hold the tension between them. Knowing the promises of God, knowing our inheritance in the kingdom of God, we are freed not just to survive in the time in between life and death, Now and the second coming, we are freed to live in the here and now and bear witness to God's kingdom unfolding around us. One of my favorite movies growing up as a kid was The Prince of Egypt. And I just realized it came out in 1998 and I feel old. It is a Hollywood telling of the story of Moses. Who has seen it? Just so I have a reference? Yes, okay, beautiful. I love when you actually have a reference and people get it. (laughs) Um, And a particular scene came to mind for me while reading this parable. Remember that jolly old man and community leader and how he tries to show Moses that, yes, 
His life has been difficult, and he has made mistakes. And there is a new opportunity here in the community around Moses. This older man, like Jesus, invites Moses to live in the here and now and bear witness to God's kingdom unfolding around him, to look at the world through heaven's eyes, seeing things as God might see things. From this parable and the Magnificat, I hear two elements that we might see through heaven's eyes. God's abundance is number one, here and now. There is immediacy. And two, it is sustainable. It lasts from generation to generation. Martin Luther's newfound freedom of salvation also opened him to view his world through heaven's eyes. While many today would characterize the Reformation as a theological and hierarchical critique of the Catholic Church, Luther also offered an economic critique. As a priest, Luther would walk around and see the people of his town working and working and working and not seeming to get ahead. He also heard people come to him and tell him that they had just given over their weeks or months' wages because they were told by a priest or by a seller of indulgences that they had to pay money to get some time shaved off of their sentence in purgatory. A famous seller of indulgence was named Johann Tetzel, and he is quoted by saying this, As soon as a coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Salvation was for sale, and people were being economically exploited. And as a Christian and as a religious leader, Luther would not stand for it. So instead, Luther put the money and the faith back into the hands of the people. Luther constructed a chest, a purse, not unlike those used to collect the indulgences, but with a different purpose. It was called the common chest or the common purse because it served the common good. And what did it do? It hired a doctor that would care for all those who were poor. It would allow people to refinance their loans at 4%. This is 500 years ago. I don't know what kind of money that would be today. Among many other things. And there were three keys. And all had to be used together to open up the chest. One was for the church one for the laity, and one for the community. The common chest was able to respond to the immediate needs of the people. And because there was communal discernment and accountability, as well as tithing, there was sustainability for the next generation, for future generations. Many offering a little adds up to nothing less than God's abundance upon abundance. I witnessed the common chest, or the common purse, in action in an unexpected place, in a rural village outside of Siem Reap, Cambodia. I heard a story from a woman whose husband had gone away and spent the week's wages on something the family simply did not need. I also heard some stories of women who had wanted to start a business and turned to those good-intentioned white folk offering micro-loans. They were hoping to get some capital to start up their own business and support their family. Instead, 
They will charge absorbent interest rates, rivaling the 27% APR in credit cards that low-income people often face. They felt like they had to do it all on their own. But then they started to break the taboos. They began to talk to their partners and confront them on not always making the best financial decisions, even though it was socially acceptable under a patriarchal society. They started talking about their economic exploitation. They started talking to each other, sharing their stories. And eventually, the woman of this village got sick and tired about hearing of all this exploitation and misuse of their limited resources. So what did they do? They took matters into their own hands. They created their own banking system. They told the men, we're in charge of the money now. They met every week and sat in a circle similar to this. And together they discerned what is sustainable and what is the immediate need of our community. In their conversations and being honest about their troubles, they would discern this woman needs to fix her house now. This woman needs help with food for her kids. Maybe this can wait, but don't worry. You're still on the docket. You are still in need of our economic resources. It'll be in a little bit. These women, often written off by me and developed countries, were embodying Luther's common chest. They built power in their community. They built relationships. They literally built an economy of inclusion, of immediacy and sustainability when they used to think that they had to just deal with what they were handed. Exclusion, exploitation, and short-sightedness. And their work, their common chest started to spread. Whenever the government or a well-meaning NGO wanted to do something, the woman would ask the NGO to come down and give them their proposal. They would sit together and talk things out. I heard of a story that the government soon realized that they had to deal with these women first. So this government official comes into the village, sits down with the woman, and they do their grandiose plan about how the highway is going to run here to here. And the woman looked at him and smiled and said, no. <laughs> Why? Because these women know each other's stories. They know what businesses need access to the market. They know what is in their interest, their family's interest. So they drew up their own highway, and it was built. They also started to work with some other women in other villages. And you can believe that that spread like wildfire. Although these rural women are far from Christian, they are Theravada Buddhists, after all. And remembering their stories and of their own common chest, Jesus' parable rings in my ears as these women embody abundance that is receptive to what is most needed and to what is sustainable. Dear church, we have been given a resurrection hope, a hope that God's kingdom will reign, that all will have life and life abundantly, despite all evidence to the contrary, and despite powers and principalities who try to convince us otherwise. 
It is this naive yet powerful hope that frees us to cast off guilt and shame and look at our communal lives through heaven's eyes. We are freed to witness and engage in community where we embrace God's abundance and respond with immediacy and sustainability. And we receive grace when we lose sight of such hope. And we receive grace when we miss the mark. And despite all the brokenness of this world, the inbreaking reign of God is fierce and all around us, and we should gird our loins. Because we see God's reign in our neighbor, in our community, in the places we least expect, in each moment, in each hour, in each day. 2,000 years ago, 500 years ago, among us now. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your creator's good pleasure to give the kingdom to you, you all. And from that song from the prince of Egypt, and that's why we share all we have with you, though there's little to be found. When all you've got is nothing, there's a lot to go around. No life can escape being blown about by the winds of change and chance. And though you never know all the steps, may we learn to join the dance. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. If you would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, please visit our website at houseforall.org and click on Give.